All right, so I'm back. <laughs> well, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So our Torah portion this week is a powerful account of reconciliation. At the climax of Parashat Vayigash, Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers who had sold him into slavery 17 years earlier. When Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, you can feel the emotion as they weep together and tears of joy and healing are shed on each other's shoulders. This dramatic story of reunification is then followed by our haftarah, our supplement from Ezekiel 37, which is another vivid message of reconciliation. And the story of Jacob's sons becomes the prophetic backdrop for understanding the message we now find in Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, we find ourselves in Babylon, during the Babylonian exile and, and in captivity. Ezekiel opens his book in chapter 1 by describing, And it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth of the month, Vani betocha gola on the har kaval. Niftehua shemaim ve'ere marot Elohim. And I was among the captives by the Chabar Canal, and that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. The book of Ezekiel is a prophetic message to the Jewish people in exile that their punishment would come to an end. And that not only would God regather us from the places where he scattered us, but that there would be a reconciliation between all of the 12 tribes and a spiritual renewal among the people. But to properly understand the backdrop of our Haftarah this week, which is the last, after, the, last, the last half of the chapter of 37, we need to back up a little bit, back into chapter 36, where God tells us why we are in exile, and what needs to change. In Ezekiel 36, verse 21, we read, But I am concerned about my holy name, which the house of Israel is profaning among the nations where they have gone. Therefore tell the house of Israel that Adonai Elohim says this, I am not going to do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have been profaning among the nations where you went. I will set apart my great name to be regarded as holy since it is, has been profaned in the nations and you are the one who profaned it among them. The nations will know that I am Adonai, says Adonai Elohim, when before their eyes I am set apart through you to, re to be regarded as holy. Israel's renewal is a matter of what we call Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of God's name. Before we move into this whole section that our Haftarah is a part of, we need to understand that the reason why God is making the promises, and it's not for our sake, right? In fact, if it was for our sake, God wouldn't renew us. But he says, I'm concerned about my own reputation, which you have profaned among the nations, and so for my sake, I will remember the covenant that I made with your ancestors, and I will renew you. But he says, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my sake. 
Then chapter 36 continues, and we begin a section of promises that God begins to make to the Jewish people. In verse 24, we read, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you from all the countries, and return you to your own soil. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. I will take the stony heart out of you, out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit inside of you and cause you to live by my laws, respect my rulings, and obey them. You will live in the land that I give to your ancestors. You will be my God, and I will be your people." It's interesting that whenever you read through the prophets, God promises that he would put his spirit within us in order for what to happen. According to the prophets, why does God give us the Holy Spirit? It's to renew us for one, and it's so that we can observe them its foot, so that we can follow in God's ways. Over and over again, over again, he says, I will put my spirit inside of you so that you can observe all of the commandments that I give you this day. Chapter 36 then continues and leads us right into 37, which is the vision of the dry bones. In verse 11 of of chapter 37, we read, Then he said to me, Human being, these bones are the whole house of Israel, and they are saying, Our bones have dried up, our hope is gone, and we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them that Adonai Elohim says, My people, I will open your graves and make you get out of your graves. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. When, then you will know that I am Adonai when I have opened your graves and made you get up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit in you and you will be alive. Then I will place you in your own land and you will know that I, Adonai, have spoken and that I have done it, says Adonai. Again, a promise of the infilling of the spirit. And God promises that Israel would be renewed resurrected, if you will, and gathered back to our land. And now we go right into our Haftarah for this week. But again, before we can continue, you need a history lesson. (laughs) So as we know, King David was the greatest of Israel's kings, and he lived around 1000 BCE. And when he died, then his son Shlomo, Solomon, became the king after him. And these were the greatest years of Israel as a kingdom, right? The expanse of the empire, everything happened under King David and King Solomon. And then after King Solomon died, there was infighting between the sons. And so the kingdom ended up being divided. You had the 10 of the tribes, 10 of the 12 tribes, created their own kingdom called the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. And then the southern tribes became Judea, Yehuda. So in 722, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom, and they take all of the northern kingdom into exile. This is where we get this supposed idea of the 10 lost tribes. They're not really lost. They were just taken into exile first. We know what happened to them, though. So they were taken into exile, and it was not until over 100 years later that Judah was then conquered by the next kingdom to rise up in the world stage, which was the Babylonians. The Babylonians defeated the Assyrians, and so then the Babylonians conquer the southern kingdom, and now all Jews, not just the northern kingdom, are now in exile, right? So 
This is, you have to understand that this is what's going on, that there was infighting between not only the tribes, but that there were two kingdoms of Jews, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And it is this backdrop of this uh, not only bifurcated identity, but this warring between these two factions, which then lays the background for our Haftarah in chapter, the last half of chapter 37. It was our division and infighting Basically, our hatred of one another, our hatred of fellow Jews, which is what led us into exile. And this is part of God's telling us why we were in exile, right? So he keeps going back and forth in this section of telling us, this is what you did and why you're in exile, and this is what I'm going to do. In keeping with this theme of reunion, the Haftarah for Vayigash now looks to a time in the future when the kingdoms of Judah and Israel will no longer be separated. As is common in Ezekiel, he receives instructions from God to perform an action that serves as a metaphor for God's message. In this case, God tells Ezekiel to take two sticks and mark on one of them, Judah and the Israelites associated with him, and on the other stick, Ephraim and the Israelites associated with him. So in chapter 37, verse 15, and Adonai came to me and he said, you human being, take one stick and write on it for Yehuda and those joined with him and, and, and who are part of the people of Israel. Next, take another stick and write on it for Yosef, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel are joined with him. Finally, bring them together into one stick so that they become one in your hand. And if we skip a few verses to 20, the, the sticks on which you write are to be in your hand as they watch. And then say to them that Adonai Elohim says, I will take the people of Israel from among the nations where they have gone and gather them from every side and bring them back to their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and one king will be king over them and they will no longer be two nations and they will never again be divided into two kingdoms. And this is exactly what happened. So when we were allowed to return and rebuild the second temple, which is the whole stories of Ezra and Nehemiah, there weren't two kingdoms, right? As long as there's been a kingdom of Israel, there's only been one kingdom. We're currently experiencing another exile. I mean, there's a return and there's a new state of Israel, but those of us who live outside are still in exile. According to the Maharal of Prague, Rabbi Judah Loben Betzalel, the tears that accompanied the embrace of Joseph and Benjamin when Joseph revealed himself in Egypt were tears of joy. How do we know this? Because the long-separated brothers foresaw the prophecy of Ezekiel. Whether that's true or not is not the point. The point is that there's an interesting connection because Joseph was the father of Ephraim, the leader of the 10 tribes. And Benjamin's descendants remained loyal to the Davidic dynasty of Judah, and thus their reunion in Egypt served as a precursor of the later reunification of Ezekiel's prophecy. This is why the two are always read together. Now we move into the, the final part of our Haftarah, which is more promises. And this is one of my favorite portions of scripture when God basically gives us, the Jewish people, a mission statement. 
And it says they will never again defile themselves with their idols, their detestable things, or any other transgressions. But I will save them from all the places where they have been living and sinning, and I will cleanse them so that they will be my people and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them, and all of them will have one shepherd. And they will live by my rulings and keep and observe my regulations. They will live in the land I gave to Yaakov, my servant, where your ancestors lived. And they will live there, they, their children, and their grandchildren forever. And David, my servant, will be their leader forever. And I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. And I will give to them and increase their numbers and set my sanctuary among them forever. My home will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. The nations will know that I am Adonai who sets Israel apart as holy when my sanctuary is with them forever. It's interesting that in this passage here, God makes seven promises to the Jewish people. In the first part, he says, I will save them from all the places that they have been living and sinning. This is the regathering, that I will regather you and bring you back to your land. He says, I will cleanse them this is forgiveness and restoration so that, so that, it says, they will be my people and I will be their God. The third promise is my servant David will be king over them and all of them will have one shepherd. When he wrote this, the Davidic dynasty is long gone. So what is he talking about? Who is this descendant of David who will reign over the people forever? Mashiach, right? Messiah. So this is the promise, again, another promise of Messiah. And then it says that they will, be, uh, then my, uh, they will live by my rulings and keep and observe my regulations. This is a promise of covenant responsibility, that the Jewish people have a responsibility to live according to the covenants that God establishes in order for this union to be maintained. They will live in the land, number five, which is, a, again, regathering back to the promised land, this is an everlasting covenant. My home will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is covenant renewal. God's saying, if you will do these things, then my covenant will continue with you, and you will be my people forever. This will be an everlasting covenant. And finally, the nations will know that I am Adonai, who sets Israel apart as holy. This is, again, that concept that we heard about earlier of Kiddush Hashem, of the sanctification of God's name which will also be in a sign and a promise not only for Israel, but for the nations. The result will be that the entire world will know that Adonai is God, it says, because these things happen. I know this is a really technical, <laughs> but we're going to wind things up. My good friend, Rabbi Stuart Dowerman, basically sums up this whole section by saying, we desire to pass on to future generations our joyful commitment to the land of Israel, Jewish unity, spiritual renewal, Yeshua the Messiah and Torah living. That basically sums up this idea of what we are responsible to do as a Messianic Jewish community and as Jewish believers in Yeshua. Although the Peshat, the immediate context of our Haftarah, is in reference to the Babylonian exile, there is also a future element to this that is yet to be realized, right? Because there was another exile after this. And although Israel was again one people, the fullness of this has not been 
realized in the sense and the fullness in which Ezekiel is promised. And so we understand that we're waiting for that to be fully realized. Yet there is always a clear connection in the Bible between the God of Israel, the land of Israel, and the people of Israel. You see this over and over and over again. When Israel strays from God, God sends them out of the land of Israel, right? And when the Jewish people begin to return to their God, he returns them to the land, and there is a renewal of the covenant. Reconciliation in all areas of Israel's life happens together. As a part of this reconciliation and the promise of renewal, there is also a clear call to the Jewish people to live in covenantal responsibility. In our passage here, God is working to restore the Jewish people back to God, back to our land, and to our Messiah, Yeshua. We even see in Yeshua the fulfillment of this as he is one man Israel, the embodiment, the physical embodiment of Israel as a whole. He's Israel's greatest son. And he is the fullness of the same work of reconciliation. That is why the figure of Joseph is a personification of Messiah, a messianic type figure who we've talked about the last couple weeks, who was despised by his brothers, rejected and left for dead. Yet despite his trials, was elevated to a position of authority and became the savior of an entire generation. Just as Joseph was sent ahead of his, of his brothers to preserve life, so too Yeshua was sent into this world ahead of the final redemption to preserve life and perform a work of reconciliation and spiritual renewal. We find clearly in both our Torah portion this week and in the Haftarah a message of reconciliation. And if God works this hard to bring brothers back together after 17 years or bring all of the tribes of Israel back together, then how much more so can we say that he works in our lives to do a work of reconciliation within us. Our portion tells us that restoration and reconciliation is possible. Reconciliation in our relationships, in our marriages, in our health, in our finances. Whatever it is, God is able to redeem us from. We just have to believe. And just as this message of Ezekiel was a message of hope to the people. Because remember, they're in exile when he gives them this message that one day this will all end. The same message of hope is there for us. That one day, all the tsuris, all the problems that you are experience, experiencing will one day end. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, right? Because the kingdom will be at hand and the things that we find as worries today will no longer be a problem because the Messiah will come and rule in that day. Avinu Shabashimayim, our Father in heaven. I pray that just as you did the tremendous work of restoring relationships in Genesis, of restoring entire peoples in Ezekiel, and, re and restoring the souls of the universe through Yeshua, 
that you are able to work that reconciliation within us, that same restoration to bring about wholeness and blessing and shalom, true peace. I pray, God, that you would accomplish that. Whatever needs to happen for those of us here, for our community, and especially this broken world, that you would do that. We invite you, God, to continue the work that you've been doing. To prepare us to be the disciples who need to go out into the world to prepare the world for the return of Mashiach. Help us, God, to not be in our own way. We pray that, God, you would do the healing and whatever needs to happen so that we can be whole, restored, and reconciled, not only to you, but to all those around us. Bless us, our Father, and unite us as one, as you and the Father are one. We pray this in, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. So please rise as we...